0: Pleasant hello to you, everybody, wherever you may be. Welcome into the 615 Preps Podcast. My name is Chris Brooks, alongside Scott Burton. We're going to take you through some news and notes from the week in high school football around Middle Tennessee and get you ready for week number two. A lot happening, Scott. Um, you know, Weather was a big deal last week. It's going to be a big deal this week. We've got some games that have already been pushed up to Thursday.
1: Yeah, if 2020 wasn't enough. Mother Nature. Twin tropical depression, hurricanes, uh, whatever you want to call them, just a boatload of rain.
0: Yeah, at least 15 or 16 games already have been moved to Thursday, and, and more are probably going to follow. It's I, about split 50-50 on whether you're playing Thursday or Friday, I guess.
1: Yeah, I I think that there will be a few holdouts, but I, I think as we go on, the models are going to be the things that that tell it's good I know that there are two maybe three models out there that they're looking at one has it hitting Friday one has it hitting Saturday I think that the schools that can like uh, I think uh, the schools that have uh, turf that are right now waiting may still hold where they're at but the the schools that have fields especially if they're not in the Greatest shape. You remember last year it took Ravenwood's field a long time yes, to it recover, did. right? And so, uh, you know, they actually had to move some games because of it. So I and, think that,
0: and they're one of the mo- ones that have moved up this week already.
1: So I think that you're going to see teams take that into consideration this week, yep. especially if their fields are already, you know, you know, compromised in right. some way, shape, it's, or form. It's one
0: thing to. Know have a muddy game late in this season when you might not be playing at home for a little while, but if it's in the second week of the season and you've got home games in the next two or three weeks, then you want to protect that field as much as you can.
1: Yeah, and because there's an expense that goes along with field it maintenance,
0: it's a large expense.
1: And I'll, you know, right now the schools are are hurting. A lot of these football budgets are hurting because you haven't had the jamborees and you haven't had the concessions and you haven't had a lot of the booster activities that have been raising funds for your teams. So I think a lot of the coaches will err to the side of caution and protect those fields as much as they possibly can.
0: Yeah. There will probably be more games that go to Thursday than Friday. And I'm curious to see who does hold out. I do know one uh, beach in Henry County. They're supposed to play. In Paris, they're not going to play in Paris. They're going to play at Milan on the turf there. Henry County does not have a turf field yet. So that game will either be Friday night or Saturday afternoon at Milan.
1: That's a wise decision, I think. Uh, and the other thing you got to take into account is that, you know, injuries. Yeah. You know, you're playing in a mud pit. It's, you know, it, it can be a little bit tougher on knees and joints and things of that nature.
0: Yeah. That That's one of the major stories that's going down this week is a lot of games switching, but another one just going down in Metro Nashville as Metro Nashville public schools has decided to postpone all sporting events until further notice that came down from the school board on Tuesday. And I got to say, it's a really difficult situation for those teams and those kids.
1: It is. It's a sad situation. Uh, compounded by the fact that they're actually watching other schools play mm-hmm. and I, I get it I get the the concern but and I and I also understand maybe watching some of these other teams but this I'm not saying this didn't give any hope but it
0: it, 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 it took some away it
1: took some away it really did there there was I mean I know that they've still left some wiggle room to, to have sports.
0: They have, but very little because, I mean, there's. this is my problem with this whole situation is the extreme lack of transparency that Metro Nashville, from Mayor John Cooper to the school board, Metro Nashville Public Schools, they haven't given these kids any idea of how to get back on the field. They've right. not told them anything. And it's absolutely ridiculous when you're supposed to have leadership give you a guideline about how to get back when other schools already have, and they've done None of the sort. They've not told them anything.
1: No, they they've and, really not. And that's got to be the most
0: frustrating thing for the kids and the coaches, especially is that they don't know how to get back on the field. They just want to play. A lot of these kids, they just want to play. I mean, well, I don't, I, I don't understand. You know how you can't give them a guideline of how to get back.
1: The the thing that that I that gets me is I understand not you know that it's tied. They've they've tied it to virtual campus they Uh, have yeah yeah and to me those are two separate things because quite frankly your athletes are going to be more often than not tested more often Mm -hmm. they're going to be uh you're going to be giving these kids somewhere to go yeah after after school uh they're gonna you're gonna give them somewhere to go on friday nights right they're you they're not going to be out and about and you know, meeting with you know who knows. Right. They're going to be a controlled environment, so the likelihood of these kids getting, you know, sick is at least about the same, and probably less.
0: Yeah. I feel like what Metro is trying to do. Honestly, I thought bullying was supposed to be being taken out of schools. <laughs> Because Metro Nashville's playing the bully right now. What what the instant institute these policies to try to, you know, limit people going in and out if they even have games after Labor Day. This is what they're saying. They can only have two spectators for every player. Mm-hmm. No student, no general student population of the games, no bands, no concession stands. Basically, you're cutting off. A considerable chunk of of any attendance you might have at at the maximum right you might have three hundred and fifty people available to go to the games
1: and i'm I'm fine with that I think that the the main thing is get these kids on the field right i I, I agree with you that you're you've done a lot to mitigate the risk but i think I think that those those points are made
0: to bully teams into not playing because it puts them in a, such a disadvantage financially. They can't make money off a gate. They can't make money off concessions. They'd be better off
1: playing an entire season on the road. That's true. And if that's what it took to get the kids on the field, tell them. Yeah, They'll I, make those if, arrangements. If
0: I was a Metro coach, I would have been calling every single person on that schedule, every single head coach and say, hey, we'll come play at your place. Just help us out with some gate.
1: Exactly. I that's think, what I would have done. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll bring we'll bring some people. I, I I 100% agree. But that's not what they were offered. That's that's right. nothing no. that they were given that opportunity to do.
0: You know what they were offered? Absolutely nothing because Metro didn't tell them this is what you've got to do to get back on the field. Basically, it's like when you guys when we can go back to school in person that's when you can play and nobody knows how they're going to get to that point or when or where. And
1: and here here's another thing. It's not that I mean these kids want to play. Yeah. It's not like you're forcing it's not like school. No. It's not like it's not like you're forcing them to go back into a building. Mm-hmm. This is an optional school activity. Right. It's something they want to do. Okay. If if you are a school that was having trouble with a with with participation mm-hmm. like we saw last year. Yep. And you wanted to opt out. I get that. Right. Okay, fine. That's not going to cost you. You can still play basketball, yep. whatever. We get that. Okay, we understand it. But hey, Pearl Cone, you want to play. Or hey, Kane Ridge, you want to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, n- if your parents don't feel like, you, you know, feel those two dangers, they can keep you out. Yeah. Okay, no repercussions, no, you know, no, no backlash from the coach. That, that's the way it is. Yeah. But these kids want to let the kids who want to play, play. Because to me, the risk that they have outside of school, unsupervised or whatever, and I'm not saying all of them are just going to go nuts and right. everything. That's not the point. The point is is that kids are going to congregate. Yeah. Because kids are social animals. Yeah. Okay. And parents are going to go to work. And they're going to be exposed. You know, to me, those kids are a lot more likely to be protected being around people who are taking precautions because they know just as quickly if they risk something, their season's over. Yep. Now, you know, things happen. And and it's going to happen. It's already happened in certain programs. But, you know, I think in this case, if it's voluntary, then then let the kids play. Yeah, and and, and they're not give, being
0: given that option. It's disgraceful that Metro Nashville and it starts with John Cooper, mayor, to not give them a guideline, not give them a roadmap to get back on the field. They don't know what they're what they need to get to to get back on the field. And there's no transparency there. It's it's disgraceful.
1: Well, and, and to that point, Chris, I, I think what another thing you're saying is, is that there was never any plan. No, I don't think there was. Because if there were, there would have been guidelines and road markers that right. you would have said, okay, if it goes down under this, or if we see the rate go down here, right. or if you can show me that we'll do this, then yes, we might be able to do that. And if- but there, there was never any intention. No.
0: No, then that's why I think that they're trying to bully these teams and they're not playing. I mean, if I go and ask somebody from Metro Nashville Public Schools right now what is the plan, they would not be able to tell me. I don't uh, believe they could.
1: And that's the thing, because everybody, everybody in a, in a role in government has a plan. They have a contingency. Yeah. For you know, succession, uh, successions, and and uh, litigation. There's a plan for everything. There's. But in this particular case... There hasn't been one. There hasn't been one because I don't honestly believe that there it was a priority.
0: No, I don't think so either.
1: And, you know, when it's not a priority, it's real easy to get it pushed to the side.
0: And, you know, with, with the mayor not making a decision, they passed it on to the school board who basically passed it on to the Metro Health Department to give them a guideline to make a decision... Mm-hmm. They've passed the buck so much; it shows that they don't care. Yeah, I'm, and it's it's really insulting to the kids and the, and the teams and the coaches. And,
1: and and truthfully, it's not the health department's job. They're the, I, I understand the health department. It is not their job to worry about football. Right. It's not a word. Their it's job. Not. To, they're going to look at the. They're going to look at the overall health, and they're going to look at the dangers involved. Right, and that's
0: why what they posted earlier. Tuesday on Twitter was regulations were recommended. So really to me, the school board said, Hey, that sounds great. Let's just do this. And right. I don't think there was a lot of discussion about it. And anybody, any of them that tries to tell me a different, I think they're lying. Yeah. I, it's a really, I feel really bad for those players and teams. I really do. I
1: really do too. And And to me, it's, it would have been disappointing if there would have been a plan and guidelines and benchmarks mm-hmm. and it fell short at least you could say there's at least there would have been some tangible
0: evidence as to why it couldn't happen we yeah. don't have it here
1: right and 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 to that point you you give those you put those road maps out there you put those those road markers out there okay we met that we met that there may be some things that you can do or look at or, you know, like you said, um, you know, if you said, well, if you could show that you could have certain, you know, number of people in the stadium and be safe, oh, we can't do that. Well, what if we didn't play at home? You know, those are things that those are, those are contingencies that you do as you're planning Yeah, or or you're making adjustments as if you know what the map is. But uh, yeah, my, my heart right now, it, just absolutely breaks for kids. I, I know that there was some talking; it'll never happen, but there was some talk about uh, I saw on some social medias where they uh, they wanted uh, TWSAA to grant an immediate waiver to any Metro yeah. student that wanted to transfer.
0: Or senior. Yeah, Metro, yeah, senior.
1: metro senior that wanted to transfer right away that could.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, never happened. Yeah, no. It'll uh, never uh, happen. Uh-uh. Yeah, because it would be real easy to see exactly where those kids go. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I and that could be some of the fallout from this. I mean, some of these programs, it, it could be extremely damaging to their chances of continuing next year. Yeah. If they don't play.
1: And, yeah, and, and where these schools are located, those programs are really important.
0: Yeah, they are. And it's just disgraceful that, that so-called leadership really didn't lead. Yeah. They passed the buck, and now kids and and teams have to pay for it. I mean, there there's, I guess, like a glimmer of hope that if things do get better, they could play. But, I mean, now you're putting it in the hands of people to tell you when that's going to be without a roadmap. So how can you trust them? Yeah. Mayor John Cooper and Metro Schools proved today that they can't be trusted, and too many people are going to pay for it. That's really unfortunate. But I'm coming off my soapbox right now. We've got some more football to talk about, and we'll do that right after this. This is 615 Preps Podcast. Stay with us. Hey, folks, if you want to support high school football coverage all across Middle Tennessee, let 615 Preps help. We have sponsorship opportunities for the 2020 season – to suit all needs and budgets for more information shoot us an email at 615preps at gmail.com that's 615preps at gmail.com 615preps friday night's finest play here welcome back to the 615preps podcast scott i think we've calmed down sufficiently enough to move into other discussions (laughs) you think hopefully maybe uh, yeah, last segment was a little, little tough to talk about with uh, with everything going on Metro, but we need to move on to uh, actual football. <laughs> and yeah. we'll start with a little bit of what happened last week. You know, you were out at, at Page with Fairview and Page, and I was at Mount Juliet with Stewart's Creek. Um, Mount Juliet Stewart's Creek, our spotlight game of the week last week, MJ gets a 30-16 to 16 win in a game that wasn't as close as the score indicated. Stewart's Creek had a couple of late touchdown passes to, to kind of cut the gap. But it was 30 to nothing in the fourth quarter as uh, Mount Juliet really took advantage of some Stewart's Creek mistakes. They had a couple of turnovers, had a couple of bad punts that gave Mount Juliet great field position and capitalized on it early. And It seemed like the wet weather was a problem for Stewart's Creek for, for most of that contest.
1: Yeah, I think that we saw, you know, the, you know, sloppy games in more ways than four. I mean, <laughs> we, we saw, you know, the rain made the game sloppy. You know, the turnovers, delays uh, made the you know, game plan sloppy. Uh, you know, we had disruptions in several games. Rust uh, was a factor. Turnovers, penalties, mental errors. Yeah. That lack of spring practice that, you know, you tend to uh, work all that out. You know, it made discipline sloppy. You know, you know there were several games where there were issues with uh, with uh, ejections and discipline issues.
0: And a, a small detail in that Mount Juliet game that I think might have been really small to, to other people, but it, something was noticeable. They came out in warm-ups at six thirty, about when that downpour started. Went back inside after after the delay was announced. And they changed. They changed uniforms. They came out in in different uniforms. And it, it, Trey Perry talked about this in the post game. He said that that made a difference because I mean, psychologically anyway, because you're you're dry, you have you know, dry clothes on, and you're ready to go out and play.
1: Yeah, it's, it's good to be at home. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I can't imagine you know, Stewart's Creek having to be out there. You know, in. Uh, you know, wet, soggy uniforms. I mean, once the whistle blows, after a little while, but you know, starting the game off, you
0: and that and sitting in those in the locker room for an hour during a delay, you oh, can't yeah. and you can't really change. So
1: we over at uh, over at page, we never it it rained a bit. Um, you know, it, there was a slight rain. Uh, the game got delayed in the first quarter after. Uh, after Fairview went up six to nothing, um, you know, but the story of the game really was more the Fairview's defense. Even though there was a delay of about an hour, uh, there was really no, there was really no storm to speak of. I think all that went north up towards Brentwood, uh, so it really didn't, it didn't uh, do anything other than just hamper the game. But you know. Fairview's defense, that that was the story of the game. They got a senior-laden uh, defense. Um, they frustrated Page all night. Um, the Yellow Jacks made enough plays. Riley Bennett, it was his first start at quarterback. Uh, of course, you have Logan Nardozzi. And anytime you have Nardozzi, you're, you've are you got an offense. Right. Um, but they had yeah, yeah, several players. Brian Kuhn had two sacks. It really was just their night. Uh, They jumped out. uh, Really, Paige didn't get on the scoreboard until into the fourth quarter late, and and they put three up. But you don't know how much of that was rust. Uh, There was a lot of yellow on the field, and it didn't belong to the Yellow Jackets, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, in all honesty. So, um, you know, but I will have to say, I do have to give some credit because the as things were there were things that were not sloppy and what I saw that was not sloppy over there was the execution of the administrators getting people in and out mm-hmm. taking the temperature checks yeah. uh, making sure everybody had masks um that did unfortunately one of the players got ill on the on the field uh. and uh it was just you know I've seen them stop for like blood or something like that but this kid actually physically was unwell and uh, they stopped the game. Uh, Coach Hughes had to come over with a water bucket and, and wet down the turf, and then they just decided, you know what, we'll play for a little while on that end of the field. Wow. <laughs> and so they finished the series on that end of the field. Actually, uh, Fairview scored. Huh. And, then, and then they went back to playing the full field. I think in that amount of time, somebody must have gotten a Hoover out there. <laughs> but, I mean. <sighs> It 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 was that kind of attention to detail. Uh, people really being concerned. Although I will have to say the, the, the point of biggest concern that I've seen is probably the student sections.
0: Yeah, and that was the biggest thing that I saw at Mount Juliet too and, and apparently other other reporters around have, have seen a lot of the same things of you know students Getting in in big groups and and pulling their masks down and I get it they're uncomfortable as hell I, I don't want to wear them either but it's something we have to do I had trouble walking down the sidelines at Mount Julia because my mask got wet
1: right I had I had issues with filming because my uh, glasses kept fogging up I mean
0: you may have to take a backup mask if it's gonna if it's gonna you know, give me a chance of rain. Just to to make sure that you know you don't get in that situation, but yeah, I'm really concerned with like the students just pulling pulling their masks down and using them as as chin straps during the game. I know you want to yell and and scream and whatnot, but you know, the administrators are going to have to do a better job of enforcing it amongst the student sections, or they're going to have to split them up because that's going to be a problem going forward if they're not careful
1: I, I think you're right uh, they managed to take the bands off the off the sidelines and put them in the end zones right and get them away from get them away from the the people in the stands you're gonna to have to do something like that with the student section or are you just gonna to have to do it with the student section
0: I hope that this week is is better in that regard maybe maybe the weather is better like on Thursday night and we see you know, student section is doing a better job of that. I want to say that the rain didn't help matters. In fact, yeah. I think it probably hurt the cause. But.
1: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think that that was a, a big part of the problem was the the weather. Uh, but uh, sorry about that. <laughs> Somebody forgot to turn off their phone. Uh. But, yeah, but, uh, but as far as administrators go, as much as possible, I think they did a, a – a, a great job.
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of that in that regard, the plan was was really well executed for a lot of places. So,
1: yeah. Um, one an, another theme, and bear with me. You know how much I love a good theme. <laughs> revenge. Yeah. You know this was a this was a long layoff, but it evidently didn't uh, dull some vengeful minds. Mm-hmm. Springfield gets revenge on Wilson Central. Mount Juliet. Got, you know, yeah, you were there for the revenge match against Stewart's Creek. Yep. And we heard Coach Perry talk about it. It sat on their mind for a long, long time. Yeah, that one got them. And uh, Fairview, they get one back from Page, Right. Even up the series on the Battle of 840, 5-5. And Coach Hughes brought that up. Mm-hmm. Don't be fooled, people. Coaches remember. Players remember. Yep. The players, they go after a while. The coaches are still there. Yeah. They remember. Yeah. So, I think that there were a lot of revenge games out there uh, this past weekend, Yeah. Which, uh, which made for some good storylines, truthfully.
0: It did, and we'll see kind of a couple of those, I think, this week as well. But uh, we'll get to the picks later on in who you got. Um, we had some big of individual performances in week one, and it's time to... For us to place our votes on who we think should be our Citizens Bank Player of the Week, I want to thank Citizens Bank for sponsoring us. Three locations in Hartsville, Gallatin, and Hendersonville at cbtenn.com dot com online. Again, thanks to Citizens Bank for our Player of the Week awards. Scott, we got a vote. Oh, Who's we, our fi- Who are our finalists?
1: Our finalists. Oh, you had to hit me with the finalists. <laughs> our Our first finalist is a running back from. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Got my notes now. (laughs) Running back from Pope John Paul II, Antoine Roberts, 24 carries, 211 yards, and five, count them, five touchdowns. Uh, Aside from the obligatory small yardage ones, he had uh, three of over 20 yards. Um, We'll stay. uh, Let's move across to another position. Um, Quarterback. Destin Wade of Summit, passing 14-20 to 20 for 257 yards, four touchdowns. Rushing 23 carries, 249 yards, two touchdowns. And their comeback win over Independence. Yep. Um, our next uh, finalist, and, boy, there were a lot of them. There were a lot of people deserved, but these are just the top four. Right. Ray Banner from Laverne. hmm Thirty-one carries, two hundred seventy-three yards, five touchdowns, and their uh, shootout win over Rockvale. Yep, that was a, a heck of a a heck of a heck of a performance. Got to there.
0: see that one in person as well yep. on Thursday night.
1: And our fourth finalist. Oh well, I'm going back to the Summit Independence game. Yeah, Jackson Campbell, the quarterback for Independence, mm-hmm. uh, sixteen to twenty-eight. Passing for 212 yards and two touchdowns, rushing 17 carries for 137 yards and two touchdowns. There, those are the finalists. But like I said, there were several, several uh, worthy uh, players. Um, can I bring one up? Yeah, I want I, I want to talk about a, a, a different position. That's a wide receiver. Uh, you had Walker Merrill for Brentwood, eight receptions, 108 yards and a touchdown. But Brady Pierce, four receptions for hundred and forty yards and two TDs. Not bad. Uh for summit. Not bad at all. No, not bad at all. Um there were just some stellar, stellar performances uh out there. But uh, those were the four that uh that jumped out at us. Um now we have to make a decision, Chris.
0: This is the hard part.
1: Oh my gosh, it's terrible because so many of these are so deserved Before
0: we do, well, let's make note of the fact that this was on our Twitter poll as well over the weekend to, for everybody to vote who they thought should be, and it'll count a third of the voting, but it'll that, come down to...
1: That's right, and and the reason we do it in thirds is because Chris and I can't be trusted to make a decision on, you know, that...
0: Sometimes ties happen. We need a, a tiebreaker, yeah, so...
1: Yep, and who, who better than the people? Right. You know... The uh, it, This one was really, really tough because, you know, we did, we had hard enough trouble whittling, whittling the list down to four. We really did because there were some others that were out there. Uh,
0: Trevor Andrews at Ravenwood had a big first half.
1: Gosh you know, knows what he would have done if he'd have played the second.
0: Right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I look at Destin Wade's performance, the circumstances surrounding it. His brother's broken his foot. He's out for eight weeks. Mm. Destin Wade has to carry the load both throwing and running. And accounts for more than five hundred total yards and, and six touchdowns.
1: Comes back off the
0: bench. They're down double digit points to independence yeah. and comes back on the last minute drive to win
2: it.
1: Yeah. That one was that one was really tough. I have to temper quarterback play though. I had to pull out the old fantasy league thing because we used to uh we used to uh have this argument all the time in fantasy league football when we were talking about giving points to quarterbacks. Yeah. Because they always score the most points because they have the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. And not only do they have, so do you give them four points for the touchdown or six because they also didn't do it by themselves. Right. They, they threw to somebody and, and maybe they threw a swing pass and that receiver did all – you just don't know. Yeah. And so you, you have to t- kind of take that into account when you are judging a quarterback versus other positions because you wouldn't – you wouldn't – look at a player of the week for a linebacker and compare it to a running back. Right. You have to put that in context. And to me, there is one player that in context meant so much to his team that even the, the most stellar performance kind of gets overshadowed by it. And, and this one player was just Mr. Everything for the team. Do I do – you, do you know who you – because I'll announce who I who Go I. Go ahead. Go ahead and say okay. it. My guy is Ray Banner for Laverne. Okay. Now, he took that team on his back when they were down. And, I mean, Rockville had all the momentum. Yeah. And his runs where – he's got a good line, but his runs, a lot of it were on him mm-hmm. where he made the moves, broke the tackles, and then – You know, outran the defense. And to me, no player this week meant more to his team, I don't think, than Ray Banner.
0: Yeah, I could certainly understand that. Now, I want to go back to Destin Wade for a minute. I mean, it could be argued that that no player meant more to his team than Destin Wade just because of the things that he had to do and the circumstances surrounding it. The reason that I give this vote – to this particular player, is for a lot of, is for a lot of the reasons you said uh, he had to put it along on himself, and going into the season, people might not necessarily have been talking about him as much, but after week one, they're going to be talking about Ray Banner from Laverne, Ooh. and I'm going to give my vote to him as well. Oh wow! Yeah,
1: wow. That ha- I know that that was tough. Because I knew that yeah, you had been spinning on that one for a while.
0: I was really going back and forth between those two. And if I could give both of them one, I would.
1: Yeah. But I, we got
0: to give them one. So, and, yeah. I, and honestly, though, Destin Waite's going to have opportunities to pick one up during the season. I,
1: I, I agree. I, Yeah. I, I, well, you know how much I've been, you know, going back and forth on this and putting the formulas together on that. So, yeah. Um, I'm glad that we're in agreement then.
0: Yeah. Wow. So, Wow. Well, again, I want to thank Citizens Bank for sponsoring our Player of the Week awards. Check 615preps.com on Thursday night, and we'll have the official announcement. And we will be delivering a mini helmet award to our Player of the Week very, very soon. So Outstanding. When we come back, we've got Gordonsville head coach Scott Clemens coming up to talk to us about this week's game at Smith County. We will do that after this. This is the 615 Preps Podcast. Stay with us. Got Gordonsville head coach Scott Clemens on the phone with us. Coach, how are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing great, y'all. Pretty
0: good. Pretty Pretty good. good. Uh, Kind of a tough way to open the year. You have a pretty good Watertown team and uh, take them to the wire before – Suffering a tough loss. Uh, now, what did you guys learn from from last week?
2: Well, we had a lot of questions going in that ball game. You know, without uh, spring practice or a, any scrimmages, uh, you only had three weeks to get really get ready with with contact. We really didn't know how we was going to respond. Uh, we felt like our young men played extremely hard, and we didn't do everything right. And and, and, and so did Watertown. I mean everybody's going to make mistakes early because the lack of uh, chances you have to compete against other teams, but it was a good, it was a pretty good clean, clean fought ball game. You know, they played hard and we played hard and Watertown's got a a very talented team and uh, they've got an older team, you know, a lot of seniors in skilled positions and uh, uh, you know, I was proud of our effort that we played with Uh, and that's all as a coach you can ask is we young men go out there and play as hard as they can. And, it's our job to try to teach them, you know. And, and we've got some tape now, so we got something to look at and uh, something that we can work on and, uh, you know, try to improve. How do
0: you approach a game like that, considering you don't have a ton of time to hit or, or really try to get a game plan installed? Do you guys kind of have to simplify things, or do you just go, you know, kind of like a normal game?
2: Well, you know, it, you can – uh, you can watch teams play from, from week one to week 10, and you're going to see huge improvements in football teams. I mean, things that they do early, and even with a five- or six-week preseason, they're not as, as, as uh, advanced as they're going to be week five or six, somewhere down the road. So, yeah, it was kind of simple. Our game plan was a little, uh, a little less complex. And, uh, you know, some things that we'd worked on, we, we executed some things really well and some things that we uh, we thought we could do. We, we still got to do a lot of work to clean them up. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm going to say, you know, Coach Webster does a great job over there, him and Coach Hackett uh, with, their, with their football team. And, you know, when you got older guys that's played together for a couple of years, it's easier to, to play early in the season than it is, you know. So hats off to those guys. they got some great athletes, and uh, they had a good game plan, and uh, you know, they scored one more than we did.
1: Well, Coach – uh, another issue uh, during the game was the weather. How, mu- how much did that affect your your game plan?
2: Well, I'm talking to some other coaches, we were pretty fortunate. Um, it didn't rain real hard here. You know, it, you know, it drizzled a little. Uh, the field was in great shape. Uh, uh, it held the water really good. I, I never seen foot be an issue with anybody. Uh, you know, they had some, some, some snap issues. Uh, but, and that's, that's understandable to be early in the year. I I don't think it was weather related, uh, as much as it was, you know, early on, uh, the weather was really pretty good for us. So we, we got, we got pretty lucky with that. It, it, it come out in the second half and it was raining a little, but, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, I've played a lot worse. Let's say that.
0: (laughs) We talk about the weather and mother, mother nature, not really throwing any breaks looking like this week, there may be some rough weather Friday, I know. I think you and Coach Murray over at Smith County have talked about it. Uh, is there any any talk about moving that game up, possibly, or, or just changing times or, or whatever?
2: Uh, well, when I when I spoke with him this morning, he that uh, it didn't seem to be an option, you know. And yeah. and uh, maybe talking with him this afternoon, maybe they're going to look at it in the morning from their administration side and kind of kind of make a decision, you know. Uh, you know, this is a game that and, and, and people in our communities, both sides, want to come watch. So, uh, you know, I, I told him we, it, it's his decision. It's their field. So they can play whenever they want to. And, uh, uh, you know, I think people going to come watch it. I think there would be more people there, of course, if it was dry. So, uh, you know, I, unfortunately, finances is usually involved in some of these decisions. and But you gotta you got to be, be able to fund your football program
1: well coach let's change gears and, and and go back to that uh back back to that game for just a second um you know you got your kids out there for the first time actually out there being able to play uh how did you know how did your team react at finally being able to lace them up and get out there and hit
2: well that, that's a that was a part of those that the concern that we had we had some we got some guys to come out that played that played basketball and uh you know, they're, they're playing some of our skill positions and some of them hadn't played since they was in junior high. Some of them had never played football. So you you talk about some huge question marks. We had them, uh, and, you know, I was pleased with, uh, with how those, those guys responded to it. Uh, you know, and it wasn't like we opened up with somebody that was, uh, you know, not, not as good. And we're playing a very talented football team and one of the top teams in two A. So, uh, for them to come out of that thing, uh, you know, with some confidence and some ability, Hey, I, you know, we can, we can go out here and and play, get some of the best competition we're going to see. So, you know, that's, that's good. And I was proud of them for that. And, you know, if nothing else, I mean, nobody wants to lose a football game, but to see some of those question marks that we had get answered, I thought it was big for us going forward.
0: Yeah. I was curious about that. Of course, when I, when I came over there and visited y'all a few weeks ago, and you were talking about some of the newer kids that had come out and it seemed like there was a lot of excitement about getting to play. And I guess uh, when you have kids like that that are coming out for the first time, is it, do you have to coach them differently? Or is there just something that you don't treat them like anybody else?
2: Well, it, it is. I mean, cause you know, when you, when you've coached a guy for three or four years it, and, and a lot of times it's those older guys are the ones that supposed to be out there starting. And, uh, you know, you've been around them, you know, what, how, what motivates them, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not every kid, uh, not every kid you can, you can sh- scream at or chew them out. They don't handle it very well. And you know how to handle kids, you know, and, and that's part of coaching is what motivates this young man to be able to play harder and what motivates this young man to play harder. And, uh, with those guys, you don't really know them cause you hadn't, been, you hadn't been a part of them yet. And you never know how, how people are going to respond when things get tough and, uh, you know, adversity is going to hit in a football game at some point in time. There's going to be some, some, some bad things that's going to happen to your team, and you got to be able to dig a little deeper and fight a little harder. And uh, you know, I thought we showed some of that other night. We had, we stopped a good Watertown team inside the ten a couple of times, and had a big fourth down goal line stand down there that was, uh, that was huge to keep us in that ball game. So, uh, you know, is, is. It's it's going forward, you know. There's some things we can build on.
0: Do you kind of feel like, you know, with the lack of of seven on seven and, and scrimmages, do you feel like th- that last Friday might have been kind of like a first scrimmage?
2: Uh, and I, I heard a coach say that, you know, it's a glorified scrimmage, and uh, we didn't approach it that way. We approached it as a football game. Mm-hmm. We wanted to go win, and uh, we knew that, that we were in, we were going to make some mistakes in some areas, and. Uh, we wanted to try to see how we responded when, when the lights was on, but ultimately, you know, you're only guaranteed in this year, you, you never know, you know, so, you know, we talk about, you guarantee ten, 10 football games a year and you need to go try to win every one of them and compete the best of your ability. Uh, and, uh, I, I thought our young men come out and, and give us a chance to win against a really good football team. So I was proud of them for that.
0: Now, well. We'll switch gears and talk about Smith County for a second. You've seen film on them now for from week one. No, they're going to be a little bit more hyped up after after getting whipped like they did last week.
2: Well, uh, you know, two years ago was my first game as a head coach, and we played a really good Watertown team, and things went bad early, and it it, it, it got bad. I mean, the score got lopsided pretty quick. And we circled the wagons that week in practice and we come out and we had a good week and, you know, we made a commitment to each other. We was going to go over there in this very same game and we was going to, we was going to fight for each other. And I fully expect coach Murray, squad to do the same thing. They had some, some bad situations early that led to, you know, some momentum jumping on Macon County side. And, uh, you know, it, it was a uh, Macon County played a great football game and, uh, uh, you know it seemed like that once the snowball got rolling downhill it got bigger and bigger and uh, when you got young people playing and, and coach mary's got some young guys playing they're talented young men but they're young and and that, that's difficult we went through that last year with some young guys that we had to play with and uh, uh, i expect them to come out and it'd be a totally different totally different animal this week
0: are you kind of like I am, and you're kind of ready for 2020 to be over with, especially with all that has been going on and the bad weather and stuff like that?
2: Well, you know, it's it's not been the, the greatest of years in my life. I have to say that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we uh, it seems like there's always something happening and something that the new curveball's been thrown at us. And uh, uh, you know, we we've, we've tried when they told us we'd come back to work, we went to work and uh we've tried to get better every day in whatever capacity we could and uh you know I, i'm blessed to have a great coach of staff here that loves to work and uh uh you know our players we they, they they know that and they know what we expect and we come in and do the best we can to, to try to be a better football program regardless of what we can do yeah so it's been a tough year yeah
0: yeah but uh, hopefully hopefully we'll uh we'll see you game friday night regardless and the We'll see a, a decent weather night whenever you guys play, if it's Thursday or Friday or whenever.
2: Right. Well, at this point in time, we we, we want to play regardless of where it is. We mm-hmm. just want to play, you know, and, uh, you know, a team that uh, loses a ball game, all the only way you can get that taste out of your mouth to win one. So that's what we're going to try to do. And uh, if we play Thursday or Friday or Saturday or whenever they tell us we're going to play, we're going to try to go and compete.
0: All right. Coach, appreciate you hopping on with us for a few minutes this week, and uh, good luck Friday, and we'll see you guys out there.
2: Well, thanks for having me, and we appreciate what you guys do for high school football.
0: Thank you. Thank you,
1: Coach. Gordon's,
0: Thank you. Gordonsville Head Coach Scott Clemens. Uh We'll come back after this on the 615 Preps Podcast. Stay with us. Back here on the 615 Preps Podcast, we've gone through all this stuff that's happened this week, and uh, now let's actually talk about games. Scott, who you got?
1: Oh, we're looking at uh, Brentwood Academy in Brentwood, that uh, – uh, what I'm calling the Cold War or the Granny Pike War,
0: <laughs> the Battle of Granny White Pike. Okay, yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah. That's it. I mean, yeah. it should be an annual thing.
0: It really should. Unfortunately, hasn't been since 2002. So yeah, they this,
1: they've been in a literal truce. Yeah, they have. They have. That's why I called it the Cold War. <laughs> I mean, literally, they,
0: they have had an armistice since 2002. It has now been lifted. <laughs> Look at us bringing out two dollar words.
1: Yeah, I tell you, put that dictionary down.
0: Yeah, really. Um, no, it, a very highly anticipated game when it was when it was put together very quickly by my dad by both schools. So credit to them for at least you know getting it done under weird circumstances. But uh, in it, both teams had impressive wins in week one.
1: Oh yeah, uh, B A beat Lipscomb Academy twenty nine to nineteen. Brentwood defeated Nolensville. the more I think about it, I'm thinking, like, it's a mile and a half of hate. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, B.A.'s offensive line is huge. I think they're on a mission this year to show they were better than they – you know, last year was an aberration. Yeah. And I really think that they feel like they have something to prove. Now, their offense is a mixture of strong runs. Uh, They can strike with a long ball any time, thanks to Taylor Montiel. But Brentwood's defense, they came, really came out to play last week, and they've got a solid quarterback too.
0: Yeah, yeah, Cade out and his big target, Walker Merrill. Um, it, it's been hard to stop those two the last couple of years, and I, I kind of see that connection factoring in a big way again this week. Uh, you know, I'm going to take the home team in this in this one, and just because it's right down the, uh, I guess, on the south side of Brentwood, if you want to call it that. <laughs> but uh I'm going with Brentwood in a very close ball game and it could probably, could be pretty low scoring, I think, too.
1: Yeah, uh I, I think it will and I think that if it is low scoring, I think that favors Brentwood Academy. Mm. I'm gonna go with the Eagles.
0: Okay. It's on turf either way, whichever place they played at, so I don't think the weather's gonna be that big of a big of a difference.
1: No, but that I think that big offensive line.
0: This is true. Yeah, that that's a it's a pretty stout uh, unit up front for Brentwood Academy, but uh we're going to go ahead and start like like they usually do with a split.
1: I'll roll right into uh, CPA versus Independence,
0: and another one that uh, could factor to be CPA's defense is going to have a task here trying to slow down the Independence. Now, Jackson Campbell was pretty pretty stout last week against uh, Summit, but uh, came up on the short end of it. So yeah.
1: They came so very close to knocking off the 5A runners-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really did. Destin Wade had ended up working his magic in the last minutes. Um, boy, CPA, they are stout in just about every position out there. They, they're something else. Jackson Campbell had to have a really spectacular night. I think CPA's defense is for real. I think Langston Patterson mm-hmm. is the real deal yeah. linebacker. K law the dual threat uh, give me the lions.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with CPA as well too. Independence, you know, th- this has nothing to say about about Independence. They are starting with some really strong teams, and it'll it'll benefit them in the in the back half of the year.
1: Yes, absolutely, but and I'm, that's why you schedule those tough ones. And
0: CPA can tell you all about that because last year they did the very same thing and it got into the state championship game. But I'm going to go with the Lions as well, so we'll take C- we're we'll both take CPA there. Next on the list is Lipscomb Academy at Pope John Paul II.
1: Yeah, this one's uh, being played at uh, in Hendersonville. It right? is, Yeah, so, JP2, yep. Yep, so Lipscomb lost uh, to Brentwood Academy 29-19, of course, in that rain-soaked game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Pope John Paul, they defeated Smyrna in a game that I thought was much, much more of a blowout than I was expecting.
0: Yeah, 42-7 to for the Knights over Smyrna last week. The biggest challenge for Lipscomb Academy is stopping Antoine Roberts.
1: Yeah, he broke off. Uh, he had five scores, two short ones. Then he broke off one of 22, 26, 33. He was all over the field. I, I, you know Sawyer Watts. Uh, you know if you can't if you don't stop uh, Roberts, you better watch out for Watts. Yep. Uh, but uh, you know the Mustangs have Luther Richardson on the other side, and and they didn't have their best game against Brentwood Academy, but. It was and, – and, you know, we talked about this uh, earlier in that the games were you, – you don't want to call them glorified scrimmages, but you do want to call them – the games were sloppy and they were – They have
0: a feel like they're – like you would have in a scrimmage as far as some of the execution is concerned. These guys are rusty. I get it.
1: Yeah. and And so I can see that the Mustangs – Coming back from that, yeah, uh, you know, and the weather had a you know a large factor to do with it too. I'm sure, even though it affects both teams, it was hit, it was
0: right. hit or miss depending on where you were. You got rained on, or maybe you know, like Coach Clements said earlier, you might not have.
1: Yeah, but Brentwood got absolutely drenched. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take Pope John Paul. I think barely, but I think that they pull this one out.
0: Yeah, this is a good quarterback battle with Luther Richardson and Sawyer Watts. But, it is, like I said, it's going to be Antoine Roberts. is going to be the DX factor and the difference maker here. Can he get five touchdowns again this week? I don't know that he'll get five, but you know, a three-score night might be in the cards here. and I think the Knights will win maybe in the 7- to 14-point range.
1: I agree. I agree. So,
0: which should be a good one nonetheless. We will have somebody at that game and very interested to see both teams.
1: Yeah. Our next game is Blackman and Ravenwood. This one
0: was a defensive struggle last year. It was. They played a Blackman. I think you were over there, actually.
1: I was, and it was a heck of a game.
0: Yeah, Blackman played a half without Koa, although they didn't do a lot offensively. In fact, they didn't have very many yards total of a total offense, to be
1: no, to be honest. 27 yards on 37 plays.
0: Yeah. And it was a rough night, especially in the second half. Yeah, but I, I don't
1: think they crossed midfield the entire game. I
0: don't know if they did either, but their defense kept them in it for a while. Yeah. before Alcoa finally just erupted.
1: Yeah, they had the, the defenses, you know, what scored they, you know, on the uh, that fumble return. Yep. Um, but, boy, you know, again, you know, when your offense can't move the ball, it puts a lot of pressure on the D. And, really, Alcoa put a lot of their points up late. Yeah, they did. When the, when the defense was gassed. Mm-hmm. I think Blackman's defense is a lot better than what that score indicated. You know that was four touchdowns for Alco in the last seventeen minutes. You know it's a it's it's just going to be really uh, really imperative that Kit Hartsfield uh, and the Blaze put that game behind them, put it in the rearview mirror. But uh, Ravenwood, whoa, you know, I thought that Ravenwood, yeah, they answered the question. The question was, Brian Garcia yep. can you replace him and Trevor and uh, Andrews.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he needed only a half to do it. Yeah, eleven to fifteen passing, one hundred one yards, three touchdowns. Also ran for one hundred eight and two more scores in the first half, as they rolled Centennial, and it was a region game for them, so a doubly important win.
1: Yeah, uh, twenty-seven seniors lost, uh, but uh, and a two-hour rain delay, and they still just they cleaned up. I'm very torn here because I I think Blackman comes out you know,
0: and this is a thursday night game too also it has been moved to thursday and it's also on tv so there's a little bit of ooh. extra info for you
1: oh uh, does that make a difference probably not no i'm going to go i'm going ravenwood
0: i agree i think that blackman blackman's defense will keep this thing fairly close but you know ravenwood's uh, trevor andrews may have to play more than a half this week in fact he may have to play all four quarters and yeah. if that's the case it should stay pretty close, but I like Ravenwood here, too. I think the Raptors will will, will keep going and, and move to 2-0. and Gordonsville-Smith
1: County, this is our spotlight game.
0: Yes, we just talked to, we just talked about this game a little earlier in the show, and this is a rivalry game. They're not separated by, a few, by about a few miles. There's definitely some disdain there, if you want to call it that.
1: <laughs> a little bit of bad
0: blood. Maybe a little bit of that. But Gordonsville is coming off a better performance, a far better performance in Smith County. And the confidence is going to be there, but maybe not perhaps as much as if they would have won. Right. So I think that may keep them sharp here.
1: I I agree. I think that Gordonsville actually, uh, you know, this is one of those iron sharpens iron type of Uh games. And I think that Gordonsville, if they come out that there, that's that proverbial trap game, but because they took it on the chin, there, there's going to be a little, a little hunger there.
0: Yeah, I don't know that Smith County w- was as bad, really, as as last week might have looked. It just happened to snowball on them.
1: Well, again, rust for yeah. you know young players, you've got all that factored in nerves. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and and. It's that chaos factor that uh, that you know we've talked to coaches about before. It's that when things, it's quicksand. Mm-hmm. Let me borrow it from <laughs> from the replacements. I'm going to borrow this one from uh, Jimmy McGinty. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quicksand. You 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 do something wrong, and you try to make up for it. Yeah. And you do something else wrong, and pretty soon. You find yourself struggling, yeah. and I think a lot of that happened in Smith County last week.
0: Yeah, they were neck deep in it in the first half, and and I think they'll have a much better performance this week, but I think Gordonsville may be just a little bit better, and I'm, I going, I'm going with the Tigers here.
1: I agree. I've, I think any defense that could hold Watertown like they did, uh, it's going to be hard to score on. Yep.
0: Wilson Central at BGA, another one of those games that is getting moved to Thursday night. And another one of those games that been put together just recently. Both teams lost their week two opponent and had to had to find somebody else to play. And there we are,
1: right? And Wilson Central actually played well against Springfield it last did. week. Yeah, um, yeah it, uh, it's another game that weather was a factor. But you know they gave up two hundred forty four total yards, uh, one hundred forty eight yards passing, which is really, really uh, in that weather was uh, you know really. Uh, odd to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. <laughs> when you saw all the running yards. But, uh, you know, I just think BGA's offense may be a little bit, uh, a little stout uh, for them. Although they had four turnovers. It, this is one of those things because um, I really don't, BGA is still an unknown factor. Yeah. And this is their first. So, I'm gonna go. You know, against my against my better judgment, I'm going with Wilson Central.
0: Mm, interesting pick. You know, you think you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's it's they are a bit of an unknown, and it could be one of those games where just you're not familiar with your opponent. You've not really you, the only thing you know about them is what you saw in film from week one, and. I, Wilson Central, it played pretty well against, against Springfield. But, you know, it's just a matter of can you carry that over to week two and, and improve on that and, and try to go into a place with a pretty good opponent and, and capitalize. And I don't know, but I'm going to go with BGA here just because they're at home. I mean, it's their opener, and there's going to be some excitement back out in the field. I think they're going to have a pretty good performance.
1: I can see it. I, I honestly, this was one of those games where I was I didn't have a, a winner until I talked myself into one.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's just like that. Friendship Christian at Middle Tennessee Christian is our next one, and um, this one th- th- it's important. It's one of the region games this week.
1: Yeah, uh, Friendship Christian defeated Trouso County ten to seven, really close game. Middle Tennessee Christian lost to White House Heritage. Uh, after leading most of the game mm-hmm. um, you know twenty three to twenty. Uh, I think if the weather uh, is is this one been moved yet?
0: Not yet, but it very well could be.
1: Well if if weather was bad, I would expect another two tight end set, which is what they changed to against Trousdale last week. Right. And and it worked out for them. Um and Delaney Majors was their was their primary back, and and we I would expect to see a lot of him, um, and a lot of Drew Porter. Um, milton Tennessee Christian, you know, they jumped out, you know, they held the lead at halftime. Got a really good quarterback in, in Aiden Hooper. Um, I think Friendship has the edge here. I, the turnover, uh, you know, I think that milton Tennessee Christian. You know, capitalized on some things last week before it caught up to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they, you know, they had a lot, a ton of passing yards, but I just think Friendship Christian is a different animal.
0: Yeah, I, I I expect Middle Tennessee Christian to keep this close, but I'm like you, I think Friendship Christian is kind of a step or two ahead at this point, and happening for the last couple of years. MTCS is going to have to play some catch-up, and, and I don't know if this is the week that they do it. Give me Friendship Christian yep. and maybe, maybe 10, 14 points. I agree with that. I believe we've got two more. So Franklin and Riverdale was another one on the list.
1: Yep. Riverdale lost that 20-7 uh, to 7 game to CPA, that turnover fest. Uh, gave up You know another one who just – Got caught in the quicksand, you know. Fumbled one in the end zone. CPA jumps out seven to nothing, right? And then it just you know goes on from there. Um, you know, Franklin. You know they defeated Siegel forty two to sixteen. You know they had uh, a ton of rushing yards, four TDs. They got a huge line. Yeah, uh, up front. Yeah. Um, but boy, Riverdale. Uh, this ain't Siegel this week. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And uh they're not going to be happy cuz I think that that uh, I think that uh coach krisky uh you know he'll be preaching ball security this week. Mm, right. And I believe that that defense really did play well. Mm-hmm. It was the offense yeah. that struggled. And I believe this is a Championship caliber defense, and I just believe that Franklin's going to have difficulty scoring.
0: We are really going to see how good Riverdale's defense is this week. And if weather plays a role again, you know, it could be the same formula. But whether they can stop, you know, Franklin's ground game or not, is going to be the big question. If they can do that, then I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, I don't know that, that if one team gets in out of the 20s, it'll be surprising.
1: Yeah, I think uh, we can expect a, a big a big day out of Brandon Connard, uh for uh, for Riverdale. I, I, I think that they'll keep it on the ground. Yeah, and I think that they'll let their defense win this one. I'm going Riverdale. I am too.
0: All right, one more, and it is a couple of uh it's come the old guard finally meeting back up against Tralasto County and White House. This another game that was put together on short notice. It was a couple of weeks ago that when both teams lost their week two opponents, they found it. They found each other. So you know, a couple of the older names in the midstate getting together. They haven't played in a while, and uh, I like this game. I like this matchup for both teams.
1: Yeah, I, I I do too. I, you know, on paper you would think Trousdale County, you know, going away, but I think White House is a lot better than than a lot of people think.
0: They're going to have to stop raining Blackburn. That's for sure. He had a big against station camp.
1: Yeah, but Trousdale's missing, maybe missing somebody because Cameron Rankins pulled a hamstring in the second quarter, and at the time he had 120 yards on 10 carries.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he can go this week. If he can, that's a big thing for Trousdale County. If he can't, there was a big shoes to fill.
1: But well, Whitehouse, you know they have a, you know they have, uh, Blackburn, and he really can move the ball. Um, but that being said, I I just think Trousdale's defense may be a little bit. Too tough here.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be an upgrade from Station Camp's defense from last week. That White House will have to have to navigate. Now, these two teams haven't played since 1986, and that was they played every year from '83 to '86. And, and Trowell County White House won three of the four. So right. those are the only three wins they have over Trowell County in the whole series. They played 11 times since 1944.
1: I th- I think that. You know, eventually this the White House is on the way up, but I just don't think that they are ready for Hill County. I'm going to take the Yellow Jackets here.
0: I'm going to take Hill County, but for a slightly different reason. Having lost last week, I would think this team will have a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and if Cameron Rankins is playing, he's the X Factor here. So, I'm going to go with the Yellow Jackets. We have one more game. We have one more.
1: We have one more game. What's I thought we had Noansville Nonesville-Watertown. Oh, yeah.
0: Yes, we did. We missed that one.
1: Yeah. I, I, that's what, that's you what, know, yeah. uh, I,
0: I, I've lost, I lost count <laughs> at like six or something like that. <laughs> I've been accused of not being able to count past six. So. Uh,
1: nah, it's all good. Um, Nolensville, uh, they lost to Brentwood 47 to 12 last week. Watertown. Of course, we talked about the Gordonsville game, uh, uh, beating, uh, beating Gordonsville. Um. Yeah, this game
0: was at this game was at last year and Nolansville won thirty two fourteen.
1: Yeah, and you know, they they muffed a punt that put him in a hole against Brentwood, you know, gave up a safety, tossed an intersection. I mean, just mistake on top of mistake on top of mistake with the cherry on mistake on top. Yeah. Um you know and then, you know, I think that they're gonna be itching. And Watertown, you know, they they escaped Gordonsville. They escaped Gordonsville, yeah. Not saying that Gordonsville's not good; they are, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I just think that Nolensville's is going to be out out for vengeance in this game, and I just think the Knights have a little bit too much for Watertown to to handle. This game will
0: tell me a lot about Nolensville, and they've lost quite a bit, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I'm I'm, cons- I'm curious to see how this game. Ends up for them. I think Watertown matches up better than most people think. So I think we're going to oh. see a fairly close game. I'm going to go with Nolesville, but do not uh, be shocked. Do not be shocked if Watertown does get this one.
1: Thought I had you there first. Thought second. you had me, but no. <laughs> you, no, we. You tried. Only, you
0: tried to trick me.
1: I think we're only. Yeah. <laughs> have you seen my score? My my. Yeah. You going to go over? Uh,
0: yeah. How you we did last week since. Yeah, you went five and five last week. You got to pull some tricks out to catch me.
1: That's right, and I and I can't do it this week because I think we only differed on like two games, and one of them I was a little bit of an upset. This is how
0: this is how last season started, though, so I, I might as well just shut up.
1: Uh, I do I do tend to finish very poor. I mean, start very poorly. <laughs> I, I start at the bottom and I begin to dig. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and a shout out to our newbie Drake Williams. He went nine and one last week, so he's leading all three of us.
1: See, you had to bring people on board that are smarter than we
0: are. I do call it beginner's luck, though. <laughs> I do call it beginner's luck. And, uh, oh, by the way, you were not in the basement.
2: You're uh, tied for it? the basement because was,
0: the Twitter voters were right there with you. I'm in good company. They went they went five and four, and they couldn't decide on JP2 and Smyrna, so they get an automatic loss.
1: Okay. Uh, so, I, I'm not alone.
0: You're not alone. Oh, I like that. You have, Yeah, you have plenty of company. <laughs> but uh, that's it. I uh, um, I don't know what else to say about this week. There's so much going on. Uh,
1: Who knows where we'll be?
0: Yeah, or when we'll be.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: That's the biggest question, I think, is when are some of these games going to play, be played? And we'll find out more as we go through the week, and, and whether it's Thursday or Friday or even Saturday, maybe in some cases. uh yeah. We'll see, but uh, that's all the time we've got for this week. Uh, and thank you for listening to us and putting up with our crap. And <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just call it like it is.
1: Yeah, yeah, just make sure you wear your rain slickers and your mask.
0: Yes, yes, please oh, do. Oh, might that. have
1: to go out and get you one of those uh, waterproof masks uh, this week. Chris.
0: I will be wearing. I will be bringing at least two, if not three, just in case. Yeah. If you have more than, I, I would strongly suggest bringing up extra masks if it's going to rain. I got it.
1: I got it. I got it. something for you. What? Scuba gear.
0: Oh, no, thank you.
1: <laughs> Let's just see you out there in scuba gear. I, will with get, big... I would get
0: thrown out if I walked out in that. People won't want to see that. <laughs> Nobody wants the, to see that.
1: The snorkel and the mask.
0: Not yeah, but it's everything. I'm not telling you to put on a wetsuit, dude. I'm just saying that's that's the first image. You, that's the first image you get. <laughs>
1: that wasn't the first image I got. Uh, well, uh, what are you
0: thinking about, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: no, folks, I am not wearing a speedo. No, no, no,
1: folks, if he was, I wouldn't be in here. <laughs>
0: this is true too. Again, thank you for putting up with our crap. <laughs> We'll catch you next time with the 615 Preps Podcast. For Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. Y'all take care and have fun Friday night.
1: <laughs> take care.